didn't Tyler do a great job on the drums today? He's up and coming drummer. Somebody didn't give him the memo. I'll be right back. See, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. Well, the Lord. <laughs> oh, well. Oh. Uh, we paused for a station identification. This KROB. Uh, well, the Lord's good. He's very good. I, um, I uh, took off this week uh, to Colorado Springs. Actually, last Sunday after church, left for Colorado Springs. And let's make sure we pray for Baylor and Charity. They are, that's my son and daughter-in-law, oldest son and daughter-in-law. They are um, on their trip, and they are on location in Asia. And so they'll be there a few weeks. Um, let's pray for Charity. They, they um, texted me last night, and her luggage is still out there somewhere in airplane world. And you know how that can be. And so let's pray that the luggage is found speedily, speedily. And um, also um, pray for me. Um, the main reason why I went to Colorado Springs other than to see them was um, to pick up their dog. <laughs> and and uh, I have two dogs now. One's an old lady and one's a little boy. <laughs> Uh, the little boy weighs about 18 pounds more than the old lady and um, loves to tackle her. He, hasn't, he thinks she is a play toy that actually moves, right? And so I've got my hands really full right now <laughs> with this situation. And so I pray for Maddie, uh, my, my little uh, seven-pound wonder, uh, that she can survive the next few weeks with this, or maybe Pippin will stop tackling her. Uh, so one way or the other, we'll figure it out. Uh, uh, congratulations again to all of our seniors. Um, and if you were graduating and we didn't know about it, we're, uh, we celebrate you as well. Um, always um, an interesting season, this, um, this graduation season. I mean, even those of us that aren't graduating, it, it, there's something about uh, just experiencing this again with, with others, maybe family, uh, maybe children, grandchildren, or friends, uh, people that we are um, associated with. And I mean, I always think about, uh, <laughs> there's a, you know, there graduations, you know, years ago, a song was recorded. Um, and played at many, many graduations, and um, friends are friends forever, if the Lord is the Lord of them, and there's a lot of nostalgia that goes with that. I've been blessed in my life um, with a group of friends uh, in Houston that all of these years, we were raised in the same Sunday school together at the church, grew up in the same youth group, many of us went to the same school. Um, and, and for some reason, God graced us. And, and the older I get, the more I realized how much of a grace this is. God graced this group of, this group of people to just stick together like, like glue, just like family. And, and how rare that really is, uh, you know, to spin out of uh, school, 
to spin out of maybe even a church youth group and, and to just remain that close, uh, close enough that, you know, we, we carry keys to each other's houses. I mean, that close, that, that close, that, that we're there for each other on a, not a monthly basis or a yearly. We're there for each other literally on a daily basis. And, and, and to, feel that, to feel that camaraderie. And a lot of people don't experience that. And so sometimes in our minds, those of us that are a little older especially, we, we kind of look back. I almost kind of feel sorry for high school graduates. Um, and, and, and the reason why is, is I think there are some expectations there that perhaps they will discover um, didn't exactly play out like that. You know, um, and, and that's why I think it's good to talk about what I'm going to talk about today. Um, when I hugged Diana, I, I you know, she said she'd go, we watched her go through the bachelor's and we watched her now go through the master's and she had been there now, and she's going to turn right around and go back to fall and, and go into the doctorate. And I hugged, I, when I hugged her, I said, you don't know how to quit, do you? I said, well, neither did I. Neither did I. But uh, to hear the stories, so this is, this is my plans, and I think plans are amazing. I think that it's awesome. Uh, you know, Janelle is, has a plan. That she has a goal, and, and she's going for, for something worthwhile. Eli uh, has a plan. It's already been enacted and, and, and knows where they're going. And I thank God for that. I thank God for, for students who come out of their educational experience and, and, and have a direction because there's so many times that they don't. And pa- Pastor Trent obviously has a direction, solid in ministry, has a plan, a life plan, a calling. And, and when you think about that and you think about how do we get? How do we get from where we are right now? And this is I'm talking to everybody now. How do we get from where we are right now to where um, our preferred future is? You know, and I, I don't think it's I don't think it's wrong for us to even think about this on the level of of, of age. I, I mean, I would hope that that all of us in the room, no matter what our age is, is that we, we have some measure of tomorrow, even if it's retirement. Go play golf. You know, have a, have a plan in our life. Because it's those plans, it's those, it's those visions or those revelations. You know, I mean, you, you talk about the Old Testament where, where it says, where there is no vision, the, the people perish. Where there is no revelation, where you don't see... Something preferred, something preferred, a direction. But the problem, the problem with, um, with those directions is that, is that for us to get to where we're going, we have to go through certain passages in life. I've talked about this before, but I really think it's important to address it. We have to go through certain passages. And, and, and those passages can, can be very confusing. It can be uh, painful even. Because in order to get from here to there, you, you, have to, 
you have to move off of here. And sometimes here is extremely comfortable. You know? Oftentimes we can get, we can get so settled in our here that we don't even realize that we're, we're no longer moving. We're no longer progressing. We're just plateaued in life. And I don't think it's God's plan for for, for us to plateau. Matter of fact, when you even read the level of spiritual things in the Apostle Paul writing, he said it's an ever-increasing, ever-increasing glory. It's an ever-increasing knowledge. It is an, you know, it's going from faith to faith and from glory to glory. I remember years ago, Pastor Brett, our um, chairman of our elder board, came and he, and he talked to us about the, 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 the trapeze artist of life that, that that you, you're holding on to a secure bar here, and there's, there's another bar there, but in order to get to that bar, you have to let this one go, and you find yourself in the passage where you're, where you're not holding on to anything but faith. And, and in confidence that, that you're going to grab that other, that other bar, and you're in a passage. The children of Israel, when they were... When they were on the, on the brink of, of crossing over the Jordan River to take possession of the promised land, found themselves in a very similar situation. I mean, keep in mind, this generation of Israelites are far since removed from Egypt. They wandered, uh, as it were, in the wilderness for over 80 years. And so, so you have a generation that... that that many of them were born in the wilderness. Think about that for a second. And, and, and of the oldest ones among them, other than uh, Joshua and Caleb, the, the, the oldest ones, they were, in, you know, they were 20 years old when, when the first generation you know, failed. They're 20 years old or younger. And, and so they've, they've, they've spent their entire adult life in the wilderness. And, you know, it's not that big of a wilderness. I mean, you look at a map. They, they, it, it, it's like it took them 80 years to do a three-day journey, right? You know what I'm saying? And so they're, they're, they're just, uh, just kind of walking around and camping in circles. Because they didn't go back to Egypt, and they're not going into the promised land. And there's just so much territory to wander a few million people around in. I would imagine that it would become comfortable for them in the wilderness. Matter of fact, it did become comfortable for some of them. My memory doesn't fail me. Two and a half tribes stayed on the other side of the Jordan River. They were just like, man, we like this place. You know, I mean, we're comfortable here. There's land for our cattle. There's water. There, there's, there, there's, we've already conquered cities. That point, an agreement was made that said, "Okay, God will let you settle on the other side of the Jordan River, on the wrong side of the Red River." <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but yes. So you know that 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 God would speak to them and say, "I'll let you. I'll let you stay on on the wrong side of the Jordan River." If you'll go in with the rest and help them conquer their land. 
And they did that. And they fought for years. Until finally they were dispatched. After the promised land was settled, they were dispatched back to um, the other side. They were comfortable. It was familiar. Right at, the, right at this moment of, of crossing, let's go to Joshua 3, verse number 2. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, who are Levites, carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go. This is important. Since you have never been this way before. Then he says, keep a distance about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Don't go near it. But the thing I want you to notice is, is that then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. I mean, our, our lives, I mean, I think I have to take a moment to help us remember this. Our, our lives, as much as, you know, we don't like change. They say in the, in the personality profiles that, um, that some 60% of people in the DISC profile are an S uh, personality. And, and that S kind of stands for steady, you know. It, it's like 60% of people tested just want things to stay the way they are. They just like it like it is, even if it's bad. I mean, that's the thing, that, that's the thing that's amazing about that is, is even if it's not really the preferred present, they're so comfortable in the, in the steadiness of, well, this is, just, this is just where I am and this is how I like it. Somebody come along and say, hey, you know what? I mean, if you do this, 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 you can have better. No, no, I just, I'm, I'm comfortable here. I, I like it here. And I think that happens to people even the older we get. You know what I'm saying? Because you're already seeing changes, and so you just start hating changes. Like, really? Does the beard have to be naturally gray? You know what I'm saying? And like, it's too late for me to dye it. I mean, if I came in next week with, like, full-on brown, people would go, what'd you do, wash that gray right out of your hair? You know? I mean, I saw a guy the other day, he had to have been 85 years old, and he had the blackest hair I've ever seen in my life. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about, like, matte black. You know, not, you know I mean, just matte black. I said, my God, it looks like you use spray paint. I mean, at some point, quit. You know what I'm saying? Just let her be gray. Then, I, then there's this new trend. Have y'all seen this new trend? I seen this like 15 year old girl the other day. Her dyed her hair gray. Have y'all seen that one? I'm like, well, she won't have to worry about it. <laughs> Give her another 30 years. Won't even have to touch up the roots. I mean, you know, you look at the changes, you know. Uh, 
Oh, man. Dave Holford, is he back in there? I think he's out helping cook. Dave, Dave Holford, we call him G. Paul. He and I used to crawl underneath this stage and do wires. And, man, we were just, we, there's a little bitty hole over here. We crawled down through. And, man, he and I could just do it. Now we go, Trent, Duncan. <laughs> Other day, they run it, that we were doing stuff. It, it here, it, Dave and I thought we'd help them young bucks out. We weren't much help. They just kept telling us, get out of the way. <laughs> I got about halfway up on a 12-foot ladder, realizing I was going to have to go to the top rung. Man, I used to go to the top of that dude and stand on it. I know you're not supposed to. Don't call OSHA. <laughs> stand on it. You know, and, and now I got halfway up and started shaking. I went back down. Trent, you're going to have to do it. I didn't <laughs> Something inside the brain telling me that if I fall at this age, it's, yeah, it's going to hurt real bad. It might put me out for a while. You know what I'm saying? So I used to, we didn't care, you know. Used to, we didn't care. I mean, it's just like, um, I mean, you ought to see, we, we, we had some things hanging from up there, and you ought to seen the way we got that down. I mean, I don't know where our church scaffolding is. I have forgotten where I misplaced it. I mean, I actually know where I put it. I just don't know where it's at now. If you borrowed our church scaffolding, would you please bring it back? <laughs> That's all I'm trying to say. It was in the barn and it wasn't, right? So, anyway, uh, Trent got up here on a ladder and we put a hunting knife and we cut the strings. And it all came crashing down on us in a beautiful way because... Duncan guided it down to the floor. Listen, we could go in the demolition business. Of course, Dave and I were out there when all of this was going on. You have these changes, you know. I used to could just jump right up off the floor. Now I go, how many feel me like that? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, you know, I mean, it just, you get slower and you have these changes taking place in your life. And and you know what? you don't necessarily like it to go down these passages in life can be difficult it can be painful and there are times in our life where where we shift from one emphasis to another emphasis there are times in our life when we we find ourselves standing with a new set of circumstances sometimes Completely not of our own doing. Just life has rolled in and here we are. New challenges. New challenges with, 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 with new problems. Yeah, yeah, it's some positive things. I'm not just talking negative. There's, because you're going to a preferred future. You need to desire passages. But these passages, I mean, life has a way of, of taking us down unfamiliar pathways and through passages where the waters are unfamiliar, sometimes even hazardous. And, 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 and this, is really, this is really what I, I just like to stand up and, and scream, especially at the young ones in the room that are, that are graduating high school, is don't just drift through life. The children of Israel, they understood we are, we are going somewhere. And, and, and God spoke to them very clearly and said, 
make sure that you follow the ark because that's the, that's the presence of God for you. Make sure you follow the ark because you have never been this way before. And if you don't, if you don't have the right guide, if you don't have the right guide through the passages, you could find yourself maybe going somewhere where you where you really don't want to go. I'm not an alarmist, but I am a realist. I don't stand and and, and say to anyone that there's no danger in life's passages. We all understand that life decisions are made and futures are affected in the passages of life. The choices we make. Matter of fact, Robert Frost, I figured since this was a graduation Sunday, I would quote some poetry. Well, Robert Frost, in a very famous poem called The Road Not Taken, says this, Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler. Long I stood, I looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other, just as fair, yet having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no steps had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh someday, ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all of the difference. Some of us are stepping out on the uncertainty of make or break decisions. Emphasis in life is changing. Schedules and routines are being shattered. Goals are being set or altered. It is a passage of life. And you have never been this way before. My friends in Houston, many of them are connected with the shipping industry. They work for shipping agencies. James and John, the Twin brothers, my best friends in the world, they, they, um, they work for the same company. They, they're responsible. These companies are responsible as ships come in and out of the port of Houston, which is, as you may know, the port of Houston is one of the largest, most busiest ports in the United States, if not in the world. And, and these ships come in, they, 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 they will anchor out off of Galveston, if you go to Galveston Beach, you can look out and see dozens of these ships waiting to enter the port. I mean, you would think that the captain of the ship, being so experienced with his own vessel, could just drive her right on in there. But the reality, the reality of it is, is these shipping agencies, are, um, they do several functions. They make sure the ship is, is on time. They schedule port access. They schedule docks. They schedule cranes. They schedule all the offload, the, uh, the, the onload, the offload, the, 
Whatever that ship needs, they supply 50% of the pay to the, to the, the people on, on board the ship. They, they um, arrange customs. The customs agents have to come on and off before the ship in, uh, fully docks and, and, and then afterward. But, but there's one particular person. If you've ever taken a cruise, you may have seen this particular um, on your cruise ship. Um, there's one particular person that is vital for them to schedule. And the reason why many of those ships are just docked out there is not just because there's no, uh, are, are anchored out there. There's not because, there's not necessarily just because there's, there's um, no dock for them to park at, to offload or, or load, but, but they're waiting on, on a, a, an individual that they call a pilot. Now the pilot's job is is to actually take the helm of that ship. They, they can't enter the port without the pilot, and they can't exit the port without the pilot. Because the pilot only works one ship channel. And it's that one. And, and you know, the port of Houston, some of it is natural. They, they go through... Of Galveston, and you know, and even through uh, Clear Lake, but but and but some of it is is dug. They they a whole stretches of the Houston Ship Channel is man-made, and oftentimes they even have to redredge and redredge. And and the pilot knows how to navigate that channel, that passage. I mean, it's a requirement that the pilot be on board because because it is very dangerous. To go through those passages without, without the experience. To say, you know what, we don't just need to keep it between the buoys. You really need to kind of keep this ship about 15 feet off of one buoy. Like we need to move over this way. Oh, but I thought we needed to be in the middle. No, we need to move over this way. Because there's a shelf here that I know about that you don't know about. And this passage can be so dangerous that, that the pilot has the responsibility of keeping them from running that ship aground. Can I say today that the most important thing that you can do when you are approaching one of life's passages is to make sure you have the pilot on board. I mean, if you are selling into a the passage of life without the help and guidance of Jesus Christ and, and his word, then I serve warning to you today that the passage is extremely perilous. Especially since you have not passed this way before. Don't drift into the future. Don't stab at it blindly. Don't walk through a passage without the assurance and the direction of the Lord resting on your life. Get the pilot on board. See, Pastor, how can I do that? I think, number one, any plans you make need to be bathed in prayer. It's stunning to me how many people make decisions without praying about it. Oh, that seems good. Three months later, hokey dying. That's not good. 
You know, I said years ago, it's, it, it is difficult at that point to pray yourself out of a situation that you have behaved yourself into, right? And so, and so you got to have the pilot on board. Prayer is important. Reading the Word is important. You know that there have been times in my life where I really didn't know what to do until God illuminated a verse to me out of His Word. I said, man, that's what I need to do right there. It was there all along. Right there in His Word. I mean, how many times do we neglect the Word, especially in times when we go through passages? I mean, how many of you will agree with me that, that, that those sometimes are the most difficult times to slow yourself down and to pull out that Word and say, Speak to me, Lord. What does, what does the Word say about my circumstance? What does the Word say about my situation where I am right now? You know, after you've done those things in your life, I think to me, another key element is to, is to surround yourself with godly, godlike counsel. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you, man. When you're going through a passage, you just can't go to anybody and everybody and ask their opinion because their opinion might stink. They may not, they may not have a good word. There are people in my life that I know I can trust their, their counsel. I know I can trust their advice. You look at the stories of the kings in the, in the Old Testament. How many of them did great things for God when they had great counsel and did horrible things when they had horrible counsel? You know? The Bible talks about in a multitude of counsel, with a multitude of advisors, there is safety. There is safety. That's why I don't just go to one person. I'll go to, to several in their particular situation in my life where everyone I talk to independently of each other and not talking to one another about it. Didn't give them time. I made all the phone calls in one afternoon. Every one of them says, you know, I can't, I can't tell you what to do. I can't. That's totally the decision's yours. But I do. This is what I feel to say. And Boom. Pastor Tim Estes, 30 minutes later, boom, Pastor Brett Jones, 30 minutes later, boom, Dr. Phil Brasfield, all three told me the exact same thing without any conversation. To me, now I'm going back to the Word. The Word says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let it be established. So there it is. See, now I feel comfortable in that decision because I have, it's where I thought I should go. Find people you can trust to talk to. Like I said, and, and, and here's, a, here's an important thing about, about learning that kind of, having that kind of advisors and people in your life. And, and sometimes those people change. I used to, um, you know, I used to could call my mom. My mom passed away and somebody had to replace that voice in my life. I had to find somebody in my life that could replace that voice there were many, many times my mom's advice for me was sound to me like it's between you and God. This ain't between us. It's between you and God. You better take it up with Him. 
Boy, that always sent me right back to the beginning, back to prayer, back to the Word. I do know this. It's extremely important for us to know that God is in our plan. (laughs) Psalmist David had this understanding in the very familiar 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear you before you are with me. He is with me. His rod and staff, they're comforting me. There's a whole lot of God. There's a whole lot of God. His language is plain. The Lord makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores me. He guides me. Even in the passage of the shadow of death, I don't fear evil because He is with me. So I want to say it one more time as you stand with me. In life's passages, make sure you've got the pilot on board. (laughs) Whatever you do, whatever you do, make sure you've got the pilot on board because he will get you through the channel and your cargo of life will be safe. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, I am thankful. I am thankful for your word today. I am thankful for the touch of your spirit. We feel even in this house the hand of our God working I pray right now that there is somebody under the sound of my voice that is in a passage that if they haven't already, that even this day they will make the decision to invite the pilot on board. That you will give them the the fortitude to pray and to seek your face and to study your word concerning their circumstance and, and even find godly counsel, Lord. Counsel that can can help them perhaps even see things from a different perspective or more clearly. And I, and I pray in Jesus' name right now that, that if that passage is a, is a passage of salvation, Lord, that, 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 that they would pray even right now, that they, would, that they would lift their voice and say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I know that God raised Christ from the dead. I believe, I believe this. And I ask you to save me now. Be my Savior. Be my Lord touch my life. I want to follow you. And Jesus, right now, as they are praying that prayer in their heart, I pray that they would feel that confirmation from you that you are there. Because you're very present. You're not just present. You're very present. You're very present. And I ask you right now, the individuals under the sound of my voice that, that, that may be in perilous passages. That, that decisions are being made that are life-altering. I pray in the name of Jesus that, that they have the pilot on board, that Jesus, you be the Lord of that circumstance in their life and you give them peace and assurance that everything's going to be fine, that the pilot's going to get them through this passage safely. They're going to come out on the other side for a preferred future. 
And I just declare right now that you would prepare our hearts and our lives and our minds for all the things that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we just love the Lord together real quick? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Neighbors and Nations is out in the 301 building. Uh, uh, stay and have lunch with us if you can. If you-